The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hello and welcome back to the Source of Truth podcast where we study the Source of Truth, which is the Word of God. And we want to thank you for joining us today as we have been studying for the last few weeks through the book of 1 Peter. And uh, we are going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. So we encourage you to join us. Uh, I would encourage you as you're maybe turning there or as we kind of begin this devotion, uh, let me challenge us in one area that we pray for our country today. Uh, that we are praying uh, in, for our country, that God would heal our country, that, God, that we, God would forgive our country. We then do our part. We vote. We get out and we vote. I do believe we need to vote our biblical values to the best of our ability. Not any person, every person running would be, apparently not any person will completely follow our values, but the principles, that's what we need to vote on. Vote on what is biblically based. Vote on the principles, not the people, the principles that follow Scripture. And that is so important. And then, and then trust, trust God that he knows what's going on. I believe God can still do great work in our country. Uh, we wouldn't be doing any of this if we didn't believe it. Politics is not the answer, but God has given us freedom in this country, a great amount of influence, and may we get engaged. May we not be inconvenienced by it. Get out there, cast your vote. And again, I still challenge you, do not cast it off party line, cast it off biblical values. That is truly the most important thing. If we really want God to bless, uh, we need to make sure that we're doing our part to follow His, His word. And that includes even in our voting. First Peter chapter 5 this morning. Though I, I, Now that we move down from that, First Peter 5, we're going to look at a passage this morning where Peter is teaching. He's, he's walked through the idea of suffering and our response to suffering and things of that nature. And then he takes a moment here. And he talks about, uh, again, he gives some concluding thoughts in, in how do we respond to certain things. And the first thing he does is he gives a challenge to pastors. Now, again, he's, he's speaking to the churches, to multiple churches. He's speaking to this persecuted church that had been split due to persecution. So there's going to be multiple, these smaller churches. Remember, um, Paul had gone through and Peter had gone through. They'd started many churches. And so uh, he's writing to multiple different churches. This letter is to us as well today, but to numerous local churches in those days. And so these churches, each one of them had been given elders, had been given pastors. And in each one of those situations, they had a leader. And now Paul is writing not only to the churches, he takes a few minutes and he gives instructions to the pastors of these churches. Now, let's read the section of scripture and then we'll unpack and explain a bit from it. Let's First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The elders are uh, the elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed verse 2 feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight thereof not by constraint but willingly not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind neither as being lords over God's heritage but being examples to the flock now one of the things you're going to look in this section of scripture is there's a lot of times people uh, there's a lot of different views, different opinions of what we're going to see in the Scripture. I'm going to explain a little bit of what I believe these passages are saying, and you would see that if, you were, if you're part of our church, you understand this is what we do. Uh, it starts off with the idea of the elders which are among you. Now, immediately what happens is the, many people look at the word elders, and they see it as plural. And so they believe that 
And the position of the church, this can't be just the pastor, because not every pastor and not every church has multiple pastoral staffs. And if it's plural, this must be the board of the church or you know, lay people, things of that nature. Uh, that is, that's not a good interpretation of this passage. First of all, please remember that he's writing to multiple churches, and so it would make sense that he would reference to more than one elder. All right? He is not referencing um, to multiple people. You know, He's not referencing to one person who would pastor. You know, If he's referencing to pastor throughout time, including today, there's going to be more than one pastor because there's more than one church. So he's referencing all of the churches in there. He also says, which I am, I am one. He explains he is one. He's a pastor and preacher. He's not a lay person of the church filling a board position. He, he's an apostle. So please be careful when you look at this. The lay people don't hold the same position as that of the uh, of Apostle Paul. So we say that just because it's plural does not mean it holds these positions in the church. Now, I do believe there should be uh, leadership in the church. I do believe that God places them there, and I believe it's my job to help train these men to help minister to the people of the church, to help the pastor fulfill the role that's been placed here. Um, they're not called elders. They would call board members, deacons, whatever term, trustees, whatever term is used. But the elder is set aside as one of the titles. The title for the pastor is elder, bishop, pastor, and shepherd. There's four of them. And it's not in each one. And then the pastor has four different main responsibilities in the church. So why, again, why do we think it's just to one man? Because as he gives the challenger in verse one, he goes down to verse two to explain what that man's supposed to do. Now, before I continue, you say, why? Is this important to me? Well, it's important when God put it in Scripture. Two, it's important to understand the role of the pastor. Too many times today, one, some pastors are not fulfilling the role. Two, we view the role of the pastor wrongly. Uh, sometimes we view the role of the pastor as no different than our dentist. When I need him, I'll go to him, things of that nature. You know what I mean? It's, it, we don't really understand what God intended the pastor's role to be in our lives. And so we'll see a little bit more of that later, too. Um, and so I want us to explain what it means. And there's some controversy over what some of these things mean. So I hope I understand that we look at this. It's important because God has told us, what should we expect from our pastor? What should we expect to do for our pastor? Things of that nature. Um, too many times today, I hope we understand this, the pastor sees themselves as superior to everybody else in church. I hope you understand the pastor is not superior to other people in church. The pastor is just a messenger. In fact, the Bible tells us, he that is greatest among you, that would be greatest among you, let him be the least. The greatest leader in a church will be a servant. And so we hope that, you know, our desire is that we're servant leaders. We try to serve others. So, but in this, we go back to the premise. What he was saying is, why do I believe it's, this is leaning just towards the pastor? Because he explains to the elders, and then he tells in verse two what this elder is supposed to do. The first thing he tells the elder to do is feed the flock of God which is among you. Then he says, taking oversight thereof. Okay, so he says two things. The lay men of the church, deacons, trustees, board members, these men do not do these two things. These men do not feed the flock, they do not take oversight. Now, I know some are going to say the board should take oversight, and they use this verse. I don't believe that. I believe the pastor's oversight. He leads the board, leads the deacons, leads the trustees in doing these things, and they help him in maintaining these things, but this is a command to one man. He's to feed the flock, and if he's giving a command to one man to feed the flock and be oversight, 
and you say it's to the board, you are. If you say that then the board runs the church and the pastor is just the teacher. I believe that the pastor leads the church and he brings across men that help him to become accountable and help him to fulfill that job. He cannot do all of it himself. But the command to feed the flock has always been given to the pastor. The term bishop is also one of the terms given to pastor. It's the oversight that he is responsible. He delegates that work, but he's responsible for it. So uh, now here's something he says later. He goes, um, but oversight thereof, not but constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. So we're not doing this because we feel obligated. We're willingly. This is our desire, what God's asked us to do. Then he says, um, not a filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Now, here's what a lot of people say. This is where people say the pastor needs to be really, really poor because he's not supposed to do this by filthy lucre. Here's what he's saying. When he says, not a filthy lucre, I did not get into this job to become rich. You can manipulate the hearts of people. And you can, you know, choose to not teach certain doctrine and choose to um, play to the emotions of people more than, the, more than the knowledge of this Word of God. And, and you manipulate certain things and you can do this enough to be able to make money. Across our country today, there are pastors who fail, if you want to call them pastors. There are people who claim to be preachers who fail to truly teach the Word of God. And they do that because they want people to feel comfortable, but they ultimately do that to be wealthy. They manipulate the system to become wealthy. And that's what we're saying. I don't do this to become wealthy because if my primary job is to become wealthy, then I will, there's just a lot of things I won't teach. There's a lot of things I will do and I will manipulate and I will make things, you know, I will make everybody feel good. Uh, and the premise of that is that people will come and give more money so that I can be rich. It's the motive. If I have a motive to be rich, then it changes how I present the word of God. Now, it's not saying that. And we could talk about, the, the key is this. This is not a passage to say that the pastor you know, cheats to be rich. That's what it means. It's not a passage to say the pastor should be poor, so he should be humble. If that happens, then the pastor won't ever really be able to minister because he'll be too busy working to take care of his family. So that's not what it means in that situation. You know, he should be comfortable. I don't, you know, I don't think they should be filthy rich, but they should be at least be able to pay their bills is the premise. He says we do this, but of a ready mind, an understanding of what we're getting into. Now, why say this? So it was one more thing in verse three. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So I, we don't walk in like, I am the boss, you must follow me. In fact, the Bible tells us to be examples. He tells, Paul tells Timothy, let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example. I don't get mad because people look down at maybe I'm younger than them or whatever. The key is this, you want people to trust, be an example of what is being taught. That doesn't mean we're perfect. I hope you understand that any pastor who ever stands behind the pulpit is very flawed in and of themselves. They are sinful, they, are, they struggle, they struggle with sin like anybody else. Now they're striving to grow in their examples and how to work through that, how to grow through that, how to lead through that is the premise. Now, again, we come back to this. This is information really pointed to the pastor. Why does the church need to know this? Because the church really should hopefully keep the pastor accountable to these things. The, pastor sh the church should know what to expect and then the church should pray for the pastor in these areas. See, in these areas, if the pastor fails, it really hurts the church. Now, what do you say? Well, then we'll just make sure we keep the pastor accountable. I believe you should do that. But more than that, I believe you should pray for the pastor. If the pastor, whoever that would be, whether it be me as your pastor or maybe you don't come to our church and you're watching this separately, a lot of times we look at the pastor as someone we need to keep accountable. And I hope the pastor's accountable to the church. But I hope the church keeps themselves accountable to the pastor. And I hope the church realizes the responsibility to pray for that pastor. And because uh, if, if Satan can get the pastor, then unfortunately he can get a lot of other people in the church. So the pastor's not above reproach, but the pastor's to be the example. But you should pray for the pastor. You should trust your pastor. You should follow your pastor. 
as long as he's following you according to the word of God, that's what we should do. And uh, that is sometimes, well, I don't know if I always agree. Let me tell you, you may not always agree. So if you don't always agree, here's what I challenge you to do. Don't just sit back and say, I don't have to listen to this because I don't agree. Compare what the pastor said to the Bible. Go to the Bible. Find out what the pastor says according to the Bible. But if what the pastor said follows the Bible, well, then you don't have a choice. You've got to follow the Bible. A good messenger, a good pastor is just going to teach the Word of God. And if he does, then we have to follow it. Not because the pastor said that, but because the Bible says that. And that's what we should do. It's important to understand the roles that God has placed in the church and that the pastor should be a leader. The pastor should be a servant. He should be an example. Example in how to deal with everything that may come. He won't be perfect, but striving to lead in that area. So I know today is a little more practical in the aspect of just knowledge. Can I challenge you from a pastor's perspective today? If there's anything I can have you pull from this, pray that I'm able to do what is in here, that I follow the Lord in doing this, and that I might be able to be an encouragement to this church and to the people that I have a chance to minister to. But the greatest plea for any pastor is that you pray for me, pray for our family, and pray that uh, we would stay close to God. God tells us in 1 Timothy, Paul told Timothy, take heed into thyself and then into the doctrine. Notice he says, to yourself first and to the doctrine, because we can have all the truth, but if we fail in sin, then we fall, then the truth loses its effect. So pray for us and pray for your pastor. There's no greater thing you can do than lift him up before God in prayer. We love you. Thanks for the privilege to be part of your day today. We hope it's a help. Hope you stick with us as we continue through the book of First Peter, and we appreciate the chance to be part of your day. We we'll hope you see us again tomorrow.